Ladies and gentlemen, Kiwis and Aussies, friends and good-natured rivals, the bubble is open. Trans-Tasman travel is now a reality. We can go overseas again. We can see family. We can meet friends. We can have a holiday in another country. This is a very, very good thing. And of course, there is one person who has had perhaps the biggest hand in making this Trans-Tasman bubble a reality. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern who I'm very excited to say is joining us now for a very special bonus episode of Flight of Fancy, the traveler.com.au podcast. Where does the Kiwi PM go for her holidays? What does she recommend doing in New Zealand? And what's going to happen if this bubble bursts? I'm your host, Ben Groundwater, and I'm very pleased to welcome Prime Minister Ardern to the podcast. Thank you so much for, for having a chat to us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and, and of course, thank you from all Australians as well for making this, this bubble a reality. How, uh, how are Kiwis feeling about uh, Australians returning? Really excited. You know, this obviously in many ways is a, is a world first you know, two countries opening up with mm-hmm. without any, you know, restrictions on that movement um, while still having a strategy of keeping COVID out. Uh, and so I think uh, that in itself is something people feel really buoyant about. It means that there's a, a next stage for our recovery. But yesterday it was actually just about the individual stories. You know, you could see family and friends being reunited, which was just so, so lovely. Uh, and then on top of that, we're expecting, uh, you know, tourists to return, which is cause for real optimism here. Yeah, it, it was so beautiful seeing some of the images from yesterday. Um, I'm interested in, in you know, tourism in New Zealand, obviously. Interested where you like to travel in New Zealand. Where do you take holidays when you're able to? Oh, look, for, for me, I go back to many of the places that um, you know, that I went as uh, as a child growing up. The Coromandel is just beautiful and it feels very nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've we've recently yep. been running a, a campaign in New Zealand, Do Something New New Zealand, you know, really encouraging New Zealanders to go mm-hmm. out and try different things. And so, you know, for, for me, some of those places that um, I think we should we should encourage people to get out and about and enjoy uh, would be Northland, beautiful beaches, a chance to uh, learn mm-hmm. and uh, see and experience uh, some of New Zealand's history. Uh, Rotorua is a place where we've seen our domestic tourists going and experiencing because there you've got, uh, you know, you've got your, your redwood forest, you've got the tree canopy walks, which are amazing, the very popular luge. Mm-hmm. And then right down south, just beautiful scenery and, of course, the ski season coming. So, uh, so many exciting things for families to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Australians are usually very attracted by places like Queenstown and Wanaka. But are you hoping that Australians also will will get off that beaten track and maybe go to some of those underrated destinations that you're talking about? I would encourage Australians to do exactly what New Zealanders have been doing. Do something new, Australia, you know, come over here and yeah, sure, (laughs) visit those places that you love. But yeah, try something new. Uh, Even since our borders have been closed, we've been building some of those and building and rebuilding certain experiences. It's been a chance for some of our operators to do a refresh. And uh, and so it'd be exciting for you to come and see. Yeah. And and how about Maori culture? Is is that a focus for New Zealand tourism and and for Australians, you hope? Absolutely. And, you know, that in part, you know, that's an area where our international tourists in particular, you know, have really um, traditionally, um, uh, you know, really enjoyed those experiences. We've been encouraging New Zealanders to do the same because, you know, it is a chance for us to 
um, uh, to see experience and uh, learn our own history too. But you can up at um, the uh, Treaty of Waitangi Grounds up uh, north, mm-hmm. just a beautiful place, but just such rich history as well. Uh, and the same in, in Rotorua. It's just a, a great experience there. So it is deeply embedded in our, uh, in, as part of our tourism experience. But I also think it's unique to us. You won't get that experience anywhere else in the world. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I understand that you're from the Waikato. Do you have childhood memories of, of travel in that area? Yeah, so for, for me, of course, uh, where I grew up uh, is right next door to um, Hobbiton. <laughs> so, so right. you know, now that area is known <laughs> for something completely different. When I was growing up, it was known for cows yeah. and horses. So... <laughs> uh, uh, I would still even, you know, those are some of the places that you'll often when you're traveling through the North Island, you'll often pass through. But when I was a kid, they were just that. There were places that you passed through. Maybe you stopped at the Wagon Wheel of Morrinsville because it was known for the biggest ice creams in the land. But now, you know, even my little town, 5,000 people, has created its own little experience called Have You Heard of Morrinsville? And it's got cows mm-hmm hand-painted, dotted up the main street. Um, And it's just a a beautiful little demonstration of even how small towns in New Zealand really are trying to encourage people to stop and experience something new. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, How has, obviously travel must have changed hugely for you personally since you had a daughter. How how has that been for you? I just think about travel completely differently now. You know, I I often think about, okay, when I get somewhere, um, you know, say I've taken um, a plane ride somewhere. From there, how can we how can we move away around in in bite sized chunks? You know, so rather than just getting in a yep. car and driving seven hours, what are things we can stop and experience on the way? Um, so that's part of how mm-hmm. we travel now because of Neve. Um, we're often looking at what's kid friendly. Um, she she loves the outdoors, and so New Zealand's really um, really great for travelling with a little person. But even some of the things that are tried and true, like to Papa, she loves because it's built into it mm-hmm. little uh, hands-on experiences. It's not just looking and seeing. You literally um, in places like that, and the same with a lot of stops in New Zealand. Our national, you know, our museum uh, still has uh, things for toddlers to play with and feel and touch and experience. And so that's what I look for now when I travel. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Has it changed the way you see the world, do you think? Does it, has it forced you to slow down in your travels and, and look at things differently? Yeah, it, it, absolutely. You know, I think previously where Clark would look for, Clark and I would look for certain completely different experiences when we traveled. Um, you know, does it, did, you know, previously it might have been, is it a quiet spot where you can just read for two weeks <laughs> or go fishing for two weeks? <laughs> um, now we look at it. Now we look for activities. You know, because as any parent yeah. knows, you just want things to entertain the kids as much as possible. Um, and, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, it has not been a hardship um, being, being here yeah. in New Zealand with that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a parent of young children as well. And two weeks of reading a book sounds pretty amazing. Oh, amazing, <laughs> but completely implausible. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I, I was wondering, actually, do you think, is it harder to be a parent or a prime minister? Um, well, different hards, actually. I don't, I don't, I don't think I would, I'd put them up there on the, on par with each other in different ways. 
I, I think the yep. the difference being um, I will always be a parent and uh, you know so that's the thing that I want to make sure that I in the same way as PM I just want to live with no no regrets no regrets that I um, miss too many of those of those moments so I try and juggle both so but equally I don't want to regret having not taken the opportunities while I'm in this amazing job to do the things that I uh, I need to do um, but there is a way to, yeah. to there is a way to do both if you have a lot of help and support and family around you yeah that's good to hear um, obviously talking more about travel now Australians are pretty into food these days what are, what are the quintessential New Zealand dishes or what, what foods should people be trying when they come over there? I would say it is quite hard to have a bad experience in New Zealand you know I think our hospitality yeah. is we pride ourselves on it you know we call it manakitanga the idea of being good hosts and looking after those who visit and that really is grounded for us in kai and food so just mm-hmm. you know the the way that our um, our food industry is looking for, you know, fresh seasonal produce, um, often being experimental mm-hmm. in the way it's produced, or um, just traditional but done really well. You see a lot of amazing fusion cuisine in New Zealand. Uh, I think because of it, the rich diversity we have, you could uh, essentially pick any um, uh, any variety of food and find it done well. Um, by those who know it best. So just, yeah, do yeah. do think about a bit of food and beverage tourism because we do it well. Yeah, I think yeah, there'll be no problem with Australians doing that. They're, they're pretty into it at the moment. Let's talk about the bubble arrangement. Are, are there... Are there risks, do you think, for travellers who are making use of this bubble? Oh, no more so than there would be travelling um, between states. And so that's the yeah. way I would just say to any Australian travel, thinking about it in the same way. In the same way that you might think, what's my plan if I go over to, you know, Brisbane and there's a short, sharp three-day lockdown? It, it, those, those, yeah. that planning. Think of it in the same way because we're we're pretty aligned in the way that we respond to cases now. Um, if it's known and it's someone attached to the border and we feel pretty confident in our contact tracing or our track and tracing, then um, unlikely to be much impact. If it's something a bit unknown, you might have a pause. But really, no different to what you guys are so well used to. Yeah. And, and so do you think the consequences are similar for Australians who, who maybe find themselves stuck in New Zealand and, and unable to get home? Um, is, is it going to be the same as with the states where they'll just have to wait it out for a few days and then be able to go back? Pretty much. And so, you know, we don't anticipate that being something frequent, but you've already seen a couple of times where Australian states have shut down to New Zealand. Um, it's tended to be for short periods of time. So we're just saying to travellers, just prepare. Um, you know, yes, um, it should be unlikely, but just prepare. Uh, and, you know, um, maybe it'll be your good fortune to be stuck in New Zealand on a ski field for a couple of extra days. <laughs> I mean, certainly worse places in the world to be, that's for exactly, sure. Exactly right. <laughs> what sort of parameters are you looking at in, in terms of, you know, as you say, pausing or suspending flights to or from Australia? What are, what are the signs for you that you'll have to do something like that? Yeah, so again, what we're looking for is just really predictability. So we've um, issued... Uh, what what looks a bit like a traffic light system, uh, and so mm-hmm. um, you know where it's amber, where we're, so it's uh, the under the headings of each is continue, um, pause, suspend. Um, as I say, if we mm-hmm. have say, for instance, you know, a, say a, a security guard um, over in Australia attached to an MIQ who tests positive, 
um, uh, through routine testing, um, contacts around them, all reasonably uh, easy mm-hmm. and straightforward. We we wouldn't likely see any change in our uh, in our travel as a result of that. Um, say though that you yeah. have a situation that causes a state to themselves lock down for say they're a bit worried that they don't know the origins of something but they believe they'll get it under control and that they will find it and they pause for three days yeah we'd likely mirror that mm-hmm. um and say though that you find a case where it's unknown um uh, concerns over wider community outbreak and a state locks down for a longer period would likely just reflect that as well so it, it will be quite predictable and very similar to what other states would do in australia yeah. Okay. Um, what's what's your sort of what's your message to Australians coming to New Zealand? How are you hoping that they'll see the country? How are you hoping that they'll they'll act? So what what do you want them to know before they get there? Yeah. Well, so actually, so we have said you know there'll be some things that are different um, in a COVID environment, but not too different to what you're experiencing at home. We're going to ask you to just download your COVID tracer app, um, uh, which mm-hmm. is our app in New Zealand. Turn on your Bluetooth, and so when you when you go anywhere, a shop or a tourist destination, just scan in. When you're on the flight, wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. Yes. You know, very similar to your experience at home, except different. And so I think everyone right now just needs a break from uh, from uh, daily life. Uh, nothing creates that sense of separation from normality, like jumping on a plane, going somewhere different, hearing a different accent doing different things, but still feeling safe while you do it. And that's the big sell for us. Um, we're a safe place to be right now. Yeah, I, I think that's so much of the New Zealand experience, isn't it, for Australians? It's it's very similar, but also different in so yeah. many ways that are exciting and, and yeah, new. Yeah, exactly. So do something new, Australia. <laughs> yeah. What's, do, you, do you have sort of one experience or one thing that you hope Australians will do when they're there? Um. You know, I think I would I would say whatever version of it that it is, you know, yes, we've got, you know, we've got amazing scenery. We've got amazing experiences that you won't have anywhere else. But, you know, as you say, our, our, our culture is just completely unique. So whether or not that's, mm-hmm. you know, picking, doing something in, in Rotorua that picks up on that or in Northland, um, just taking the opportunity to do something that you can only get here. Um, and, uh, yeah. of course, Māori culture, um, is so much a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And, and it's something that Australians don't know too much about, I think. You know, we, it sort of begins and ends with the haka for so many of us before we get yeah. to New Zealand and really experience what it's all about. Well, that also will um, uh, gives us a chance to share a little bit about why that concept of manakitang is so important to us. Yeah, yeah. Would you now consider a holiday in Australia now that you're, you're able? I have said that my next visit to Australia will be a working one. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many things that we need to do, um, get our exporters, you know, face-to-face links um, going again. And so my, my next visit will be a work one. Um, but um, I've certainly holidayed in Australia before. And I have family like every Kiwi does in Australia. Um, I'm quite excited, though, about, you know, we've got that new link um, in through Hobart. So, you know, I hope mm-hmm. that in the future I get a chance to try something new myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and of course, if you, were, if you happen to uh, want to run for prime minister over here as well, you'd be very much welcome to do that. Oh, hey, I'm quite happy with the team of five million. <laughs> Small but perfectly formed. <laughs> well, look, Prime Minister Arden, thank you so much for joining us. I've really appreciated your time. You've, you've been very generous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Kakite. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Flight of Fancy, the traveller.com.au podcast. To read more great stories about travel in New Zealand, go to traveller.com.au. 
To subscribe to Flight of Fancy, head to Apple Podcasts or your favourite app, and don't forget to rate and review if you're enjoying it. Dig into the back catalogue too, there are plenty more episodes there to listen to. You can also join our Facebook group, just search on there for Flight of Fancy. As always, a big thanks to Tim Mummery for his hard work, and we'll see you next time on Flight of Fancy. This podcast was hosted and produced by me, Ben Groundwater, with audio by Tim Mummery. The digital editor of traveller.com.au is Craig Platt.